everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It is the 52nd show of Stand Up and Speak Up. And I'm so excited. We have made it through a year of incredible guests and speakers and information. And I'm so excited to wind it up this year with Marty L. Ward, who is a friend of mine from Women's Prosperity Network, but a gal that I have worked with on multiple occasions and who changed my life in a lot of ways when I was trying to dig deep into figuring out what happened to me, where do I go now, uh, and how do I feel about what happened. And I think that was probably the hardest thing for me to do is when Marty kept drilling down on how do you feel, how do you feel. And we're going to talk about that because I don't like talking about feelings, or I didn't back then anyway. So folks, let me introduce to you my friend Marty L. Ward from up in, hmm, where are you now, Melbourne, Vera? Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be with you, and congratulations on one-year anniversary. Ooh. You've been so dedicated and, and devoted to helping women and to helping us all to grow and develop and, and uh, honor and value who we are, respect ourselves, and be able to move forward. Thank you for being here, and thank you for that. It's been quite the journey, and I know that uh, when, when we first met, we really didn't do any work together, but I, I heard what you were doing with the kids, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But you kept bugging me. <laughs> you kept coming back <laughs> over the years said, Deb, we need to talk. We need to talk. I really want to talk to you. And when we did get together, and you challenged me in ways that so many people had never done, and it was out of love, but it was a good kick in the pants, to... <laughs> put the busyness behind and stop because I remember you kept saying, how do you feel about this? How do you feel? And I'd give you a little bit and then I'd scoot off and you'd nah, come back, come back. Um, how do you feel? And I mm. found that so many of us don't want to acknowledge really how we feel unless it's like we're angry or those kind of, you know, visceral emotions that just kind of pop out. But right. when we sit back and analyze what is doing you know, making us that way, it's very difficult to do that, that self-inspection, basically. But before we get there, this show is about you and about your story 
and I love what you're doing today, but I want to know what got you to today. So let's go back in time. I love to go back to when we were when we were kids. Can you give me a little bit? Tell me a little bit about you know what was your life like? Did you have brothers and sisters? Where did you grow up? And how were you as a child? Well, I grew up in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, and I have uh, two brothers and a sister. I'm the youngest by ten, eight, and five years. So in many ways, I felt like I grew up alone. Well, for many reasons, I feel like I grew up alone. I, I am the black sheep of the family, shall we say, uh, as they used that in the old days. Um, I'm the one who's very different than my siblings. And so um, I spent a lot of time in the woods, enjoying uh, creating and inventing and imagining, because that's a place where I felt um, okay. That's where I felt good about me. And my family was very loving, very caring, and had absolutely no idea how their words and the way they, just the way they were, made me feel. And uh, they love me and care about me very much, but uh, it, it, uh, I felt uh, left out, not included, not valued, disregarded, and, uh, but grew up, um, again, still surrounded by love. Um, and I think um, part of that has been a wonderful gift to me because it taught me about um, bullying and, and about how that eventually became the work that I did. So I was very grateful in the long run. Um, but I grew up and I had a, a wonderful life and lots of fun and opportunities. Um, I was very fortunate in, in the family into which I've been, I was born. And so I got to travel and got to um, enjoy my life. Bullying is something that has been around forever. But it's something that I think we've put a label on and we've talked about more in, say, the last decade than when we were kids. Do, mm-hmm. do you think it was considered bullying? It was, I mean, when your family looks back now and you, and you start talking about bullying, do they acknowledge that, that that was really what was happening? Or are they just like, that's the way we, we were? Well, they, they, they go, I bullied you? I go, yes. <laughs> you know, they just didn't understand. That's how it felt to me. You know, and, and what I've learned, um, Debbie, is that, you know, the bully, the people are going to be who people are. And it's up to us to respond. You know, we can get all angry at the bully and want to put them in jail and suspend them and do all this stuff. But people are going to be people. And we need to learn to honor and value ourselves to the point that that is just interesting information that they give. Um, and so I had that experience where I really got to that and realized that if you don't believe the bully, you're not hurt. So it was up to me. It's the way in which I interpreted what they said that was up to me. And um, so I have subsequently been able to learn to honor and value, as I know we'll talk about, uh, my talents, abilities, and gifts, tags as I call them, and by honoring and valuing who I am, well, then uh, they magically stopped bullying me. I didn't say anything. I didn't have to do anything. My, my attitude of believing in me stopped them from, from saying what they used to say. Did this come later on in life, though, or were you still fairly young? Oh, no. This came in the last, you know, 10 years. In the last 10 years, it, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's tough because you, you grow up with that and you're surrounded by that, and so that becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, right? again, I say, you know, I hate to, you know, one side of me says, oh, you can't say this about your family. But, yeah. I mean, again, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't mean to hurt me. They love mm-hmm. me. They mm-hmm. support me. They care about me. Um, you know, uh, they they really do. And they just didn't know and don't understand. Because I'm so different, they don't understand me. And so, but that's not, you know, that's just who they are. Mm-hmm. I'm more the emotional uh, more down-to-earth kind of person. They're more intellectual, more business-oriented, very successful, um, you know, and I'm just different. I just see the world differently. And so I was kind of like this entity <laughs> in the family. Did you have but, girlfriends? Uh, Do you have friends outside the house that you could play with and that were more like you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had my good friends, and we went horseback riding. I used to horseback ride, and I had a horse with a friend, and um, my friend Taffy and I, we, you know, went to camp together and traveled, and so I had lots of good friends. I um, And we um, enjoyed, I was on the swim team, I was on the tennis team, you know, all that kind of stuff, because of mm-hmm. the way where I was born, and you know, just the family I was born into. It's just, that was, that was life. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So I had wonderful time and I had a wonderful time in the woods and playing and imagining and having fun. It is interesting though, looking back that, you know, when people think of bullies at what I do, uh, I don't imagine the kid that's grown up in Connecticut riding horses. <laughs> I know. You think, you're thinking the kid that's in the center city that's getting, you know, beat up by his, by the neighborhood kids. Um, but it's well, you can get bullied in any situation, right? Well, yeah. I mean, kids are kids. People are right. people. And so it's really, we bully ourselves. Our biggest problem, um, Debbie, is that we, you know, is that we bully ourselves. And we call ourselves names. We put ourselves down. If everybody thinks about it in this moment, think of the things you might have said to yourself already this morning that weren't very friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it's really us learning not to bully ourselves, but to be gentle and kind um, and thoughtful towards ourselves and not Some, beat ourselves. So, Marty, what, do you, what is your definition of bullying? Bullying is, is uh, it, you know, can be the name calling, the judging, the condemning, the uh, put downs. Obviously, there's the physical bullying, but if we just do the emotional bullying, and generally, that's what, what we experience is that uh, put down, judgment, not good enough. You know, I was told over and over again, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're never going to make it. Um, I don't know who you think you are, but whoever you are, you're not that great. You know, those kinds of things, I would, I would say, are bullying. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the, the phrase, too, that bullies bully. What is the reason for that in your experience? Well, um, what, I, what I have learned, because I have a five personality types that I deal with that are not the normal. You haven't ever heard of them before. And, um, but when, in this work that I have done, the bully is really um, the warrior personality type. So the underdeveloped, we all go in life from underdeveloped to developed. And... Um, the underdeveloped um, warrior is the bully, but the developed warrior, Debbie, is the hero. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You see, the bully wants to be the hero. And that's what they really want. But they don't know how to do it because of damage, because of who knows what happened to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they really want to be the hero. And, um, and so when we can appeal to that aspect, the leader in that person, in that child, that's when they will turn around. And you can turn a child around who's even a gang leader in 90 seconds when you focus on their leadership qualities. And when, when, I, was in, uh, when I was a school-based social worker, um, I, was, I was in an alternate school, which means all the kids that nobody, no other, the schools, other schools didn't want. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I developed a mentoring program, and I made the bully the mentor. So I'm there. The kids are there. They had a fight, whatever happened, you know, and I look at the bully and I go, okay, you figure this out. Go do the mediation. They go, me? I go, yep, go do it. And I'd be close enough to see them and everything. And the discipline problem dropped in the school. Once the bully realizes that they're being seen for who they are, which is that leader, then they want to rise to that occasion. Now, this has to happen before they've lost their empathy. When they've lost their empathy, we have a much bigger problem. But when you can catch them early enough before they've gotten so hard and so tough that nothing, well, a lot of work will get there, but, you know, we'll reach them. But when you can get them before that, that happens, then you can transform them. You know, that's really interesting. In, in light of my, a lot of my audience who are women that have been uh, taken in a relationship fraud, we talk a lot mm-hmm. about, you know, these young boys, men that have manipulated and taken advantage. And I always thought after the fact that if these guys who are incredible salesmen could do for good the way they do for bad, it would be incredible. Mm -hmm. But you just said it. You have to get them before they lose their empathy because these guys have no empathy and no heart for the victim. So... Yes. Is there an age, or it's just it's just their environment? No, it's just the environment and and how damaged they were. You know what happened for them that they are so damaged that they've lost compassion uh, for themselves. You know, it's all about them, right? Mm-hmm. They've lost compassion for themselves. They've lost connection to themselves. They've lost understanding for themselves, and so they're going to uh, lie, manipulate, cheat, steal and use their male prowess to be able to get what they, what they want. And in order for them, as I know that we've, you and I talked about, of course, to fill their Swiss cheese holes, right? Mm-hmm. They want to fill themselves up, the damage that was done to them, that empty feeling that they have inside. And so by being feeling empowered and feeling that they have something over somebody, um, that falsely has them feel, you know, fulfilled temporarily until the next one has to happen because that isn't enough. It'll never be enough. If you don't fill yourself up from the inside by honoring and valuing who you are, your talents, your abilities and gifts, you will always be empty. You will always be looking for more outside of yourself. I need to connect you with our fellow in Ghana who is trying to work with young men that were scammers at one point that are 
in sort of rehabilitation because that that makes sense if you can get them early enough. Um, mm -hmm. But okay, you said something about the Swiss cheese. That was one of my highlights today: is Swiss cheese. I had never heard of this whole analogy of Swiss cheese before sitting down with you, and it changed me from the inside out. So, can you explain to the to our audience what you mean about the Swiss cheese and looking at ourselves as a piece of Swiss cheese? Okay. So, I want you all to picture a child. And the child is three or four years old, and they come running into the kitchen and say, Mommy, 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 look at my picture. Look at my picture. And Mommy's busy. You know, she's cooking dinner. So Mommy says, ah, put it up in the fridge. Put it up in the fridge. I'm busy. And when Mommy goes to take out the garbage before she calls everybody to dinner, there crushed on the top of the garbage is the child's picture. And what has happened is that the child can feel like, wow, I thought I was an artist, but I'm not. I thought I mattered, but I don't. I thought that I was lovable. Huh. I guess not. And that's what I call the holes that are put in us. And if you picture a piece of Swiss cheese, it's like, you, you know, someone hit you, bludgeoned you, you know, you now have this hole inside of you. Now what can happen and often does is the child now comes down to dinner and mommy's feeling bad. So mommy says, oh, here's a cookie. Here's a cookie. It's going to be all better. Here's a cookie. Right. And what we're teaching by doing that is to fill ourselves up from the outside in. Here's a cookie. Here's a candy. Here's cake. Here's ice cream. Here's pizza. Right. And we wonder why we have obese children. Um, but we're filling up from the outside in. And then as we get older, well, we go to relationships. And we have love and broken love and finding love in all the wrong places because we're empty. And we're looking for that hole to be filled. And we're looking outside of ourselves. And then, of course, we have wine at, you know, 6 o'clock at night. And then we have you know, some drugs that we might take, either legal or illegal, that can get to an extreme. And we might clean too much. We might be too angry. We might be too, um, too giving. Those are other ways to fill yourself up, being the people pleaser. So there are many ways to fill your emptiness. Um, and so by learning that we need to fill ourselves up with who we are, expressing your talents, abilities, and gifts. So talents are like your resume. You know, um, Debbie is a leader. She's a podcast host. She's an author. She's a speaker. Um, and uh, she has been in the military. And so these are, are talents that she has, organized, planning, um, analytical, um, problem solver, right? And your abilities are what give you the ability um, the ability to be able to express your talents. So creative, inventive, imaginative, analytical, uh, compassionate, understanding, uh, engaging, uh, connecting, right? And so um, and everyone on the planet, Debbie, every child that's been born while I was talking on this show came into this world with this package of talents, abilities, and gifts. And they came in with creative, inventive, imaginative, and intuitive. And then they're going to add their own ingredients. It's like being a baker 
where you all start with the same ingredients, like the million baking shows on TV, but then each of those bakers adds their own flair, don't they? Mm-hmm. And that's what your tags are, is your own flair that you add to what God has given you. And so the gift you give is that not only do you provide a podcast, but you provide hope, possibility, understanding, uh, acceptance, um, innovation. You give people a way to be able to see themselves differently. And the gift of that gift is now they can go out into the world and they can feel more confident, more secure. And the gift of that gift is, wow, well, now they can make more money. They can get a promotion. They can change careers and feel confident. They can um, remember who they are after being scammed. That 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 is just a step on their path. It's one of God's breadcrumbs, as I call it. It's a step on their path. That's all it was. It's all it was for you. That's all it is for all of these women, is it's just a step in your path to discover more of who you are. That's, that's terrific. And I, I certainly appreciate that. And I see it as a step on a ladder. But sometimes we feel like that rung you know, between the ladder, it's broken. And right. The, you know, beating ourselves up. How do we how do we get to that point where we can forgive ourselves? Say, well, yep, oops, it was one of those mistakes. How do I move on? Otherwise, because the world around us is saying, you really screwed up. You were really stupid about that. And this isn't just romance scams. This is anybody that's been taken, you know, or even beaten up domestic violence in the past. It's like that was really stupid of you. Why did you? Why weren't you nicer to your spouse? There's so many things from the outside that are telling us like, oh, you're so ridiculous. And that keeps us hidden, hidden from the world, hidden from ourselves. Starts with forgiveness. How do we, how do we get to that point, Marty? Well, what I say is that you're not broken. We're not broken, right? We, there's nothing to fix, just more of you to discover. And that's so important. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing to fix just more of you to discover. You see, because it's on your path, it's for your evolution. You needed a a very big whack on the head or whatever, a boot in the wherever, wherever you want, however you want to describe it, for you to awaken to your value. And each of us awakens differently. I went from being worth over a million dollars to having $7.41 in my bank account about six weeks before Christmas a while ago. And that was my lesson. My lesson just looks different than your lesson. And it, but it's no more, it's all valuable because it's about our evolution. It's getting us to develop more of who we are. And God will give us whatever it is we need. And if we don't get it, well, the sledgehammer just gets bigger until we mm. finally wake up and go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to learn. I'm supposed to respect myself honor myself, value myself. And if somebody says that was really stupid, you say it sure was, (laughs) right? You go with when you get bullied, right? You go with the bully and then you stand for you. So it sure was, you know, it was a gift to me. I have learned so much about myself. I wish it had been different, but you know what? I needed a strong lesson and I got it. And now you move on. But to say it wasn't stupid when it appears from the outside to be stupid, of course, it had nothing to do with brains. It had nothing to do with it. It had to do with emptiness 
feeling empty, lost, lonely, needing to have that space filled. And, and because of all the misunderstanding of how we were raised, um, that we were taught to go to the outside, not the inside. And so it was a gift to you that this experience happened. Look at all the thousands of people that you've impacted. If you hadn't had this happen, Debbie, thousands of women would not have this opportunity to grow and develop and see themselves for who they actually are. So it was a huge gift that was given to you, and you took it on and have um, done such brilliant work with it. And so when you can start to say, yeah, it was an amazing gift to me. I can actually do that now. It took some time. And it took talking to you and recognizing, you know, for me, the Swiss cheese, that big hole was not being listened to. And I realized that. And when you brought that up to me, it was like, oh, my gosh, that is so true. And right. just by virtue of, you know, the 4,000 pages of journal, the writing back and forth, to me, that was proof of listening of him listening to me and responding back to me. And, and for me, that's really, that's my badge of courage. I look at it and say, yep, I don't want to read it. But that was an incredible experience. And mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. have healed from the inside out, and that was the key for me. And mm-hmm. to explain that to someone that has just been hurt is a little bit difficult sometimes, you know, because mm-hmm. I can empathize for at where they are, but also, that's when the warrior in me wants to come out and say, you can do it, you know. Put your big girl panties on and move on. And I don't want to be harsh when I say that. But yeah. that's essentially yeah. what you're saying, right? Well, do you want me to be honest? I do, of course. <laughs> no, 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 it's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying put on your big girl pants and move on at all. I am saying to take this amazing opportunity that has been given to you and use it to learn about yourself, not move on, but to really investigate, dig in, dig deep, honor and value you, respect, see how, where you can respect yourself. Look at who you actually are, not the exterior, but who you actually are. And what is the gift that you bring to the world? And when you can focus on your evolution, that's when you can feel fulfilled every day. If you focus on chasing happy and successful, everybody wants to be happy and successful. Well, yeah, but that's always never enough. It doesn't matter what you did at the end of the day. You're going to always say, oh, I should have, I could have, I would have, why didn't I? But if you're focused on what did I develop in me today? Did I develop my negotiating skills? Did I, uh, was I gentle with myself today? Was I kind to me? Uh, did I listen to myself today? Wow, I evolved. Good for me. Now you can feel good at the end of the day because you developed more of who you are. And that's when we can feel satisfied and fulfilled. And that's interesting. A, a woman that I was talking with recently had lost many hundreds of thousands of dollars. An older gal um, living by herself, and she was beating herself up about it. And she said something to me that goes in light of what you just said. She said, maybe all the comforts that I had created for myself, had a lot of money and had all this comfort stuff, maybe that's not what I needed or not what I need now. Maybe I need to change how I feel about what I really need now. 
beautiful. Woo-hoo. And I, I, I thought about that. And I was like, yep, that's, that's a big pill to swallow. Yeah. But, but, it, was, but how, it was a start. Right. Yeah, and how wonderful that she's now looking at the gift that she was given. You know, what is it like to have less opulence? What is that teaching her about her resilience, her ability to manage, to cope, to discover a new aspect of herself mm-hmm. that she didn't even know before? Because when, when you're opulent, you, you know, you can miss out on a lot. You can have a lot, but you can miss out on a lot of, of mm-hmm. lifetime experiences. So wonderful for her. Well, and you, you, I heard you interviewed once, and you said that when you believe that you matter, you're less likely to hurt yourself. And hurting yourself could come from that self-flagellation of just, you know, mm-hmm. beating yourself up. Yes, being me matters is one of our the core tenets of our program. And it's, you know, when you know that you matter, um, you get a greater appreciation for yourself and humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and you're less likely to hurt yourself or others. Because if you know that you matter, well, that means that other people matter. So therefore, I'm not going to hurt them. And I matter, so I'm not going to hurt me. And so it's really, um, you know, as we say, being me matters. And the kids all sing a song and everything with it. But, you know, and, and it just lets them know that, that they are somebody, particularly when you grow up in countries like Africa. And it, it's, it happens everywhere, of course, mm-hmm. but where they have what we would call so little, you know, and that they're, they, they, um, aren't always treated in a way that is best for them. Um, So when we teach them that they matter, now they finally see some value and now they can change and have a more uplifting um, attitude towards school and and kids have gone from 68s to 98s by, by the teachers and the parents seeing the children as actually having real value and the mm-hmm. gifts that they bring. And it's the same in the United States or anywhere. It doesn't matter. Parents are parents, kids are kids, teachers are teachers. So it's the same throughout the world. But it's really um, honoring and valuing the child for, for who they actually are. And what I say, Debbie, is that when parents see that a child's most annoying behavior is a signpost of their gift, they will have much greater connection. Because we've been raised by, with carrots and sticks, that we're to use carrots and sticks with children to get them to do what we want. And it's not about carrots and sticks. It's about connection. And when we have connection with our children, by seeing the gift they are, that's when they cooperate. That's when they want to be with the family and spend time with you. I'm at a loss because I'm thinking this morning I watched you talking about a child that was throwing a temper tantrum. And the mom was stressed. I'm actually thinking about my grandkids and the way <laughs> that they read their parents. You know? right. So when they know their parents are in a hurry to get to work and mm-hmm. are just stressed out, Explain that to the, to the group. How does that child behave and why? Well, I don't know because I'm not there. But, but what I can say is that um, it's really, uh, you know, stopping and breathing. You know, when, when we react, we're in our limbic brain, which is that bump on the back of your head. That's where your limbic brain is, which is your fighter, to make it simple, your fight or flight brain. Right? So when we raise our voice at our children, we throw them into that limbic brain, which is fight or flight. 
Taria, you got to get in the car. Come on, put your stuff in the bag. Right? Well, mm-hmm. and then you notice they freeze. And you're thinking, now you raise your voice higher because you're thinking they didn't hear you. But what they are is frozen in place because they're in their limbic brain where they cannot think. A limbic brain is just a reaction brain to protect themselves. So they go into protection mode. And now they're not putting anything into the bag. And so it's you taking that deep breath. And when you literally just take a deep breath, that takes you from your limbic brain, your limbic brain, to your thinking brain. And now you can respond to them and say, wow, I see that you're running behind. What is it I can do to help you get your stuff in the bag? Hmm. And when we can take a step back, and not see them as trying to be annoying, trying to slow me down, trying to get, make me late for work, judging and condemning them, when all they're doing is expressing their tags, their talents, abilities, and gifts. Maybe they're dancing and you want them to pack their bag. And, you know, and then they're expressing themselves, their tags, right? And so, um, and then when we condemn it, now we squoosh them, we put in another Swiss cheese hole, And now we wonder why they're not functioning, why they don't believe in themselves, why aren't they more confident, you know? Um, And they're not trying to get back at you. They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to express who they are in the best way they know how. For instance, an easy example is children bouncing on the couch or the bed. Every child in the world wants to bounce on the couch and bed. And the parent comes in, say they're bouncing on the couch, and it's the same thing. I told you, you're, you know, why are you destroying my furniture? You don't care about me. Don't you understand how much money it costs? And on and on and on and on and on. The child just wanted to experience their body going up and down through the air and to see how high they could go. They had no idea of trying to hurt you, cost you money, do anything. They're just being themselves. And you and I, Debbie, the one thing we'd love to be is present, available, right in the moment. Well, children are that every second. And when we honor it, so what I do with a child who's bouncing on the couch is you go in and you say, wow, look at how athletic you are. Look at how high you can bounce. Bouncing is for the floor. You take their hand and you guide them to the floor and you can then go, okay, come on, bounce, bounce, let's see, come on, how high, come on, you can do it, how high, right? And what you've done is tag and guide. You tag them with their talents, abilities, and gifts, athletic, bounce high, and then you guide them to do what you want. And that's how you can get cooperation. And you just have to reset expectations maybe or or give a little extra time when you're trying to get out the door. I see what you mean, um, and it was really interesting. Uh, there was one time when, when I was babysitting, and the kids were really young, and when mom and dad left and were listening to grandma's, totally different story of behavior mm-hmm. because Absolutely. we were resetting. You know, We were looking at their lives from a grandparent who's already been through this and realizes that getting to work on time is important, but... You know, giving them an M&M before they go to bed is probably not the best thing to do to get them to go to the bathroom. So it was just funny as a parent to, to do it as a, a grandparent than a parent. But I also mm-hmm. saw that the more stressed my kids became, the more stressed mm-hmm. that or the the more acting out the kids, the more acting out the kids did. It was like right. they were mimicking the stress or they felt the stress. 
and that mm-hmm. was their way of, of releasing their stress maybe, which really stressed out their parents. So. Well, yes, because they, they pick up on us. Children, you know, this COVID thing has had such incredible well, on everyone and our mm-hmm. children in particular. Um, you know, they pick up on everything. And that's sometimes why children, you know, even a baby in your arms, when the mother and father start to fight, the child cries. The child mm-hmm. is trying to distract the parents at zero years old to stop fighting. The child immediately wants to do something so that'll stop them from doing that and um, as a protection device. So our children are constantly aware. You know, there are children who say, no, mommy, I don't need that because I know you're tight on money and all those things where kids are taking on way too much responsibility way too early uh, for managing their parents. And it's really up to us to manage ourselves, our finances, our whatever we can, and, and privately, you know, it's just too much for a child to now carry around. And uh, we need to be the ones, you know, to do that. Uh, so it is, um, you know, allowing children to express who they are and then see it for, what, for who they are. You see, when you see them, like saying, look at how athletic you are, look at how high you can bounce, the child knows that you're on their side. Mm-hmm. The child hears that you see them for who they actually are. And that's when they now want to cooperate. But when we judge and condemn them, well, they go into their limbic brain and they don't want to cooperate. Um, And they're not going to talk to you and they're going to storm out and they're going to throw things on the way by um, because you didn't see them for who they are. And if you're not going to see them, well, then to heck with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm just thinking back to there were times uh, after Lou had died and and I had gotten involved in the relationship online and my boys would, would say, Mom, don't, don't don't and it's so funny I'm thinking well now I'm the two-year-old they're telling me don't 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 and I'm thinking I'm the adult and I'm pushing them pushing them out trying you know I wanted what I wanted and I didn't want them I didn't want to hear what they had to say and uh, afterwards I felt awful but it changed the way we looked at each other now it changed the way we spoke to each other respected each other so again out of bad comes good. And there's one other thing before we get into talking about your, your uh, program in Africa. Is we had, you had a, a discussion one time about good luck and bad luck and what opportunities can come out of quote-unquote awful situations. What about good luck, bad luck? Well, everything is good luck, bad luck. You know, the child, the child holding you up on the way out the door. Maybe therefore you, you didn't have an accident. Maybe you, you missed the accident that was down the road right? Mm-hmm. Because you were a little bit late for work. Um, we don't know good luck, bad luck. We never know in that moment. You know, it all seems great, right? People win the lottery and then they go bankrupt because mm-hmm. <laughs> they won the lottery, right? Good luck, bad luck, right? And so it's really allowing yourself to to see each moment, each opportunity um, that way and to embrace it and enjoy it. Um, and that, that's not like doomsday or anything. It's really, you know, obviously if it's good luck and it's wonderful, um, then enjoy that opportunity. And if it's bad luck, then look at that. And what is the lesson for you? What can I gain from that? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I was talking about, um, spring break, right? Good luck, bad luck. Everybody's been with, been with their family for a year. 
Now I get to spend more time with my family, right? Which can be wonderful luck. But if you're working and you're, you know, you've been overwhelmed and now you've got five days to figure out what to do with the children who are now home, again, um, ah! <laughs> so it's wonderful to be with our family. And then, oh, my gosh, i got to be with my family, you know. So it's just honoring and, and just seeing you know, all the different aspects of it and how you can make the best of it all. And it's, it's life. Life is all about good luck, bad luck. And, exactly. and like you said, in my, in my situation, the good luck initially was that I found, you know, love or joy or something after Lou died and great relationship. The bad luck was, yeah, I lost a lot of money. The good luck is, look what I learned about myself. Look what we're doing, you know, to help other people out. Uh, the bad mm-hmm. luck is it's still happening to so many people and the good luck is I'm working with Dr. Tim and the Society for Citizens Against Relationship Scams on you know on an international level on how we can change some of the behaviors of those uh, scammers or you know we can't necessarily stop it unless we can tag them when they're young Um, but there's a lot to it and uh, I'm gonna bring in Tim for just a second because I know he wanted to talk about Africa, since he's done, we're doing some work in Africa, different part of the world than where you were working. Uh, Dr. McGinnis, are you there? I am here. Hey, Tim. Uh, tags, talents, abilities, gifts. What's yep. your take on, uh, on uh, our scammers and tagging the scammers? Well, um, you know, I don't know that the model applies. First off, I, I really want to applaud Marty on the work that she's doing with children there because the truth is that the only way to eventually curb this corruption that exists on that continent is through the children, raising them to be people of integrity and honor and embracing possibilities rather than looking backwards in the past for excuses for aberrant and and corrupt behaviors. So kudos to you, Marty, on that. The challenge is, is that there's no single scammer type. They are a multitude of different personalities just because of the fact that they're all people. Some of them are clearly narcissistic, some sociopathic. Um, the leaders of the cartels care nothing. Um, victims are nothing but cattle. So, but as we have encountered, scammers go through trauma themselves, um, mm-hmm. vicarious trauma or trauma that they induce on the victims rubs off on them. And the result is that they arrive at a point where they just can't do it anymore. You know, just like concentration camp guards, if you will. But there are others who can do it gleefully all day long and take delight in inflicting as much pain as they possibly can throughout that process. You know, I think when we, when we think about them, it's important that, A, we recognize that they are human beings that are doing evil in the world, but not always look at them inherently as being evil themselves. And that's a great challenge. That's true. And go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, in your experiences in in Africa, Uganda, Kenya, etc., um, you know, to what extent do you see hope in the transformation of African societies away from the inherent corruption that they've contaminated themselves with in so much of their culture? 
Yes, it is definitely deep, deep in their culture. Every time we would be stopped by the police, I had to hand money over, and then we would be go on. There was no reason to stop us, right? You know, it's just they, they have to deal with it every day. Uh, the graft, I know one of our team members became a social worker, which is a huge accomplishment uh, there, to say the least. And then she couldn't get a job because she didn't have the two million shillings in order to get pay the bribe in order to get the job. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so they're just very inherent in their culture. But what we are doing by teaching children that they matter, that they value, teaching parents that they value and that they matter, uh, teaching them how to make money. Um, so they're not selling their daughters, um, and they are um, changing the way in which they even do marriage, where there's getting rid of the um, dowry thing. You know, I, I talked in Kenya a lot about that, um, and some of the men were, fathers were willing to agree to that. Um, and so it's little by little changing the, the culture um, right. and teaching and then teaching the value of human beings, that they're, that they're not just, you know, that money is not the only thing, but it's very important. But how can you make money? Can you, you know, for women, can you sew? Can you, um, can you cook? Can, you know, we're doing a program for our scholarship children, and they're going to learn how to make chalk and how to make soap. And, um, and then they're going to sell it because I'm giving them a microloan and they have to pay it back. So now they have to make it, and then they're going to go sell it. Um, so they're learning industry, um, and we've right. taught, I've taught all of my leaders how to make money, you know, legitimately, um, and that's what I think is key. Marty, how did yeah. you get, how did you get uh, affiliated with that group over in, uh, how did you get with Booney and, and the crowd over there? Well, that's a story. Um, <laughs> God dropped a breadcrumb in Tanzania. Somehow my book, Get Clear, Get Confident, Get Going, was found on a pile of books to be burned at a church in Tanzania where Booney was, Booney Alex, um, who is now our director, was uh, a missionary at the time. And Mm -hmm. he he was guided to take it off the pile of books. And he read it, and he had the courage to email me and, and say, I read your book, it changed my life, I too was bullied, and I want to know more about what you have to say. And um, after checking him out, because of your experience, mm-hmm. after making sure that he really was a pastor and that he really was legitimate, um, I, um, I, I taught him online for about two years, and then he said, you know, Marty, the teachers are happier, kids are happier, parents are happier, and we need you here. And then that's when I went to Uganda for the first time in March of, I took my, gave myself a birthday present, although I raised money to do it, but anyway, and went to um, Africa, went to Uganda, and that's when the journey uh, began. And we now have, I've reached over 100,000 parents, teachers, pastors, children um, in Kenya and Uganda. And um, we have, uh, we're in about 60 schools and uh, equal number of churches. And we have uh, five offices throughout Uganda. Explain a little bit about the students and the scholarship programs, because I didn't, 
I wasn't aware that kids you had to pay for school, and if they didn't come up with the payment, they're out. They're out of school. Right. Yep. It says it's free, and that's just not at all reality. Imagine everyone having to pay for everything for your child to go to school. I mean, like it's a private school, right? I mean, they have to pay for their books. They have to pay for their food. I mean, everything. And so um, it's not free. And so, and literally they, the children, you know, they know that education is what they want. They, they care so much that I was, um, I was doing a talk and the, the children, as they often would, you know, I'm out in the field and they've just got a tent with some, tarp over it you know and that's the church and the kids put on a play and the play was about a little eight-year-old boy who was suicidal because his alcoholic father wouldn't pay for him to go to school Mm. I thought wow that's a really heavy conversation and um, afterwards I found out that the little eight-year-old boy Taquana who was in the play was suicidal because he couldn't go to school And that's when I began the scholarship program. I said, well, that's not going to happen. He needs to go to school. And so then his brother came up to me. Um, Well, I hadn't made that decision at the moment, but his brother came up and he said, oh, I'm all the way through high school and I want to be a teacher and I've come all this way and my father won't pay for school. So by the time I got home, I had established a scholarship program um, and we have 24 children in our scholarship program and we have one child who we have found sponsors for to send to medical school oh, wow. and so we're very excited about that so well, you can imagine over there getting an opportunity to go to medical school is like unheard of but he actually it turned out that boy uh, he uh sharif he we put him into the scholarship program and two weeks later his mother was um looking in his drawer you know, putting his clothes away or something, and she found a suicide note that oh, if he didn't go to school, he was going to commit suicide. So we were very grateful that we picked him to be one of our students, and now he's on his way to medical school. Part of me is thinking all that money that goes to scammers could be used for such good if it was I, redirected. I uh, know. So, Marty, how, how can people get a hold of you and find out about the uh, Confidence Builds Success Academy and all that you're doing? Well, if you go to confidencebuildsuccessacademy.com, uh, that's our website. And, um, you know, if there are parents out there, I have a workshop coming up, ABC, Always Be Connecting, on April 17th um, from 11 to 12. You know, so we'd love to have you um, join that. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about our scholarship program or our water, uh, our water initiative, every year when I go to Uganda, I bring water filters. I've delivered 92 water filters, which is now providing approximately 41,000 children and teachers with clean water uh, every day. They drink from a puddle. I'm talking a literal puddle. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, surprise, surprise, they often are not at school because they're homesick. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have that water initiative program as well and uh, the scholarship program. So it's all on the website under Africa. So if you'd like to participate or give me a call, I do trainings for teachers and parents. I have a CARE training program, uh, C-A-R-E, Confident, Aware, Resilient, and Empowered. 
uh, for helping teachers to be able to connect with kids um, more effectively in the classroom. I created a whole program during COVID for them to get emotional and mental health support. Um, so that's available for teachers as well. Um, and of course, parent training. You're doing some extraordinary things, Marty. And I, we're going to get you to do a program for us. I, I, I just think it, I, there's more that we can do together because um, as a parent, as a teacher, uh, you've done some really wonderful things to get people to move forward and to really look at why we're doing things. You know, and I love that part when you were talking at one point where, you, you know, you're saying that um, anger is a reaction and mm -hmm. drill down, and you probably did this to me, is why, why are you angry? And, and I don't get angry much, but the base of that, you said, was sadness and feeling powerless, and that's why you lash out. And if, right. you look at, if you look at people, that's what's happening in the world, is the anger is because people mm -hmm. feel powerless in many situations. Mm -hmm. And right. then they feel like they have the license to, you know, to take and to hurt and to hit back. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. And so I laugh sometimes when I'm with my mom and dad. You know, we're in this little five-mile bubble. I really isolated myself in the past year because I wanted to make sure I, you know, I didn't get sick and that they didn't get sick. But again, it's keeping us from the rest of the world. And that's not good either. Right, exactly. But, you know, when you bring up anger, it's a, it's a good point to make that when you're angry or your child is angry or whoever's angry, it doesn't matter. When, when I do a decoding thing that I do with feelings, but at the bottom of anger to cut to the chase is sad. So think about the last time you were angry. And like you may have been angry before we, you know, 9 o'clock this morning. That's okay. But if you look at it, was it that you were feeling not heard? Were you feeling not respected? Were you feeling disregarded? Were you feeling irrelevant? Right? And this is how you can stop the fights that so often happen is by taking that deep breath, getting into your thinking brain, out of your limbic brain, which is anger. When you're angry, you're in your limbic brain, which is fight or flight. You're fighting. Now you take a deep breath. You go into your thinking brain and you say, okay, you know what, sweetheart? You didn't hear me this morning. What I asked you to do was dot, da, dot, da, dot, da, dot, dot. Rather than you this and you that and you the other and you on and on and on, and now we're down a whole tunnel, Right? But when you can stop and say, oh, I'm feeling not heard, and then you deal with the not heard, I feel not respected. You know, in this moment, I don't feel respected. I have asked you to do what I've told you, and I expect that it will get done. Now you can say that instead of calling them 13 names in the hopes that somehow that was going to make a difference. Well, we do it to ourselves. You said it at the very beginning, you know. We might not have anybody around the house, but we still can be angry at something that we did. And right. it comes down to that, you know, we're sad at what we might have done. And the only well, way we, to express that. Yeah, what happened for you is you didn't listen to yourself. Yeah, I didn't, you didn't. You to listen to you, but it was you who weren't listening to you. And that's that when was, you get mad at yourself. Well, looking back, okay, but, but it's really saying, oh, thank you for awakening me to yeah. the fact that I'm not 
talking to myself. Thank you for awakening me to to remember that today, and yeah. not be rather than than um, seeing it as a put down or that it, you're not enough. It's saying, right. oh, thank you for awakening me to the fact, let's say um, you're not listening to yourself. You're angry, and then you go, oh, I'm not listening to myself. Oh, good, now I know. Where am I not listening to myself? And it's trusting your gut, trusting your intuition, believing in yourself, trusting in you. Not Even to, though go ahead. mistakes. Yeah. Well, but, right, and it, for to, we're going to have to wrap this up, but it could go on for another hour, but the, the bottom line is, Believe in yourself. Forgive yourself. And when you get frustrated, just breathe. <laughs> Take a moment and pause. And as Tim always says, you know, when we're t- dealing with, with the, scam, the folks that are in a, in a scam, is disconnect. You know, just stop what you're doing for a moment. Like Grandma would say, sleep on it. Let it go. And then revisit. And maybe get someone that's a little more objective to hold your hand while you're revisiting. But it's so important, Marty, to, like you say, get clear, get confident, and then get going. You know, move forward. Do something that will change your day for the good. And I am so grateful that you've been my guest for our 50-second show. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for being, you know, a a great contributor to the show and for for all that you guys are doing in the world. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm I'm your Robin, Batman. There you go. My Ed McMahon, right? That's what you always call. So, Marty, thank mm-hmm. you. We will have you on again. Tim, thank you so much. And everybody for that's been here, we appreciate you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you've been a victim of bullying, please go to Marty's website, Confidence Build, or Confidence Build Success Academy.com. Oh. Confidence. Oh, confidencebuildsuccessacademy.com. She's got some excellent things on that website. Please go there. If you've been a victim to scam or cybercrime, go to againstscams.org for assistance and guidance. And look at our SCARS website, the romancescamsnow.com in particular. has got some important information. If you can make a small donation to SCARS, please, again, do so at that, that website. This episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com, a web vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our benfotemian products at benfocomplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount. Thanks, everybody, for, for being here today. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can get some really terrific replays of the shows and enjoy them. Enjoy them. Pass them on. Uh, it's, we've got some real good information. So thanks again, everybody, for being here. Until next week, have a great day. Bye now. <laughs>